Hey, it's your host, Abigail Pumphrey, and I'm on a personal mission to help more small business owners become financially free. I like to nerd out on all things business, marketing, and most definitely the numbers. I'm talking all the lessons learned as I turned a layoff into a seven-figure online business. I like to share it all and no conversation is off the table. We talk actionable strategies, biz challenges, and all the things life throws your way. Grief, anxiety, loss, and resilience are all topics you'll find here. So grab a cup of coffee and settle in because you're listening to the Strategy Hour podcast brought to you by Boss Project. Have you ever absolutely panicked after you accidentally deleted a file on your computer? I know I have. It's not an issue if you've got Crash Plan Smart Recovery. Your files are just a few clicks away and can be restored in a snap. Crash Plan provides the best cloud backup solutions in the market. Visit CrashPlan.com slash BossProject for 50% off your first year of CrashPlan. Now you can protect all your work with an unlimited backup and recovery solution. CrashPlan makes it simple to restore some or all of your data. And with unlimited version retention, CrashPlan can be your ultimate rewind button. Get unlimited computer backup for you or your business with CrashPlan Professional. CrashPlan backs up files that live on your computer and works with PC, Mac, and Linux. Don't let data disasters slow you down. CrashPlan has your back and keeps you moving. Go to CrashPlan.com slash BossProject for 50% off your first year of CrashPlan. That's CrashPlan.com slash BossProject for 50% off your first year. Back up better with CrashPlan. So do you remember how to podcast? It's been a minute. I'm not sure, but I think I'll catch on. I feel like it's riding a bike. Like, just like, give me five minutes, five minutes in the episode. I'll sound like a decent human that understands what I'm doing and talking about. I will only continue to sound worse throughout this episode (laughs) because first episode back and we put recording off by over a week to try to, for me to get better. And my voice is still garbage. I think I'm sounding pretty good. And then all of a sudden, like my throat falls out of my body and I'm just like coughing everywhere. I had a major sinus infection that has lasted far too long and I'm over it. And so if I randomly mute myself in the middle of a word or a sentence, it's because I don't want you to have to hear me hacking in your ear holes and you're welcome. (laughs) But the reason why we're, we keep saying this is our first episode back, it hasn't felt like a break for y'all because we kept releasing episodes. But if you noticed on social media or if you're on our email list or in any of our programs, y'all, we were gone for two weeks. We were. And you were gone for three because you were technically sick. The week I was gone for three because I'm needy like that. <laughs> Two weeks. We talked about it leading up. So y'all heard about it here. We decided to take some time off, do a summer break. Our entire team, the entire company shut down for two weeks. It wasn't just us. And it was great. And then I got sick. So what did you do over break? Anything? Oh, what did I not do over break? I reorganized a lot. I definitely home edited the shit out of my house underneath my bathroom sink in my pantry, in my laundry room. Like I reorganized everything. I also started making homemade pasta like a weirdo and homemade bread in a bread machine though. Like I don't have all the time in the world. And those were really, really fun things. I rearranged a room obviously and just like, oh, finished painting a deck. We went to the lake. Like we did a lot of things. Yeah. 
Yeah, you did. What about you? Oh, it was definitely a mix. We did some stuff around the neighborhood for the fourth, and then we started some light construction at my house (laughs) and decided to take down what I would only talk about like the hall of mirrors like it was yeah absurd amount of mirrors in my primary bathroom and so the largest one was six feet tall by over eight or nine feet wide so I mean like like 200 pounds massive how many mirrors did you break in the process I think technically two of like five okay so not terrible I'd have to really think about it because they're like, was that one or was that? Right, right. Because it didn't have very many seams, but we donated our door that had a giant mirror on the back of it to uh, the restore down the street. But no, most of it was spent on the primary bathroom, what we're calling like our Reno 1.2 because Jared technically painted it a while back and we ended up repainting the whole thing when we put up the shiplap. But I eventually want to take it all down and completely reorganize because I just don't necessarily love the layout. This was like, what can we do to make me not hate walking in the room? That was the goal. What can you do to make it last? Yeah, I think that this definitely bought us several years. So we should be good. We do have some like final touch ups and trim to finish, but we got the majority of it done while we were off. And I still managed to have plenty of pool time. And I went to a different lake than you did and hung out and got the worst sunburn on my belly of all places and my shins. So I had, I peeled on my shins and my belly and yeah, anyway. No, no. I now have a very awkward tan line. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. We came out for pool time at your house too, over break. So yeah, two weeks is a surprisingly long time. Yeah. You can get a lot of stuff in, in two weeks. I slept in. That was great. I stayed up really late. That was oh, yeah. Crazy. My sleep was a mess by the time I saw we got a movie. Back. Oh, we did too. Multiple. What did we see though? I can't place it. It must have been so good. <laughs> <laughs> there are some good movies coming out this year that I want to see. I haven't felt that in a while, so I'm excited. I think they're waiting. I think they stockpiled. Yes, a hundred percent. Yeah, production times and all of that. Okay. I want to get into today because I'm really excited about not just this episode, but the next three after this episode that you're going to get. We are bringing y'all a series and I'm really excited to dig in. So it's going to be a four-part series dropping Tuesdays and Thursdays for the next two weeks. And we're covering the four things a service business must get right. And the reason why we're having this conversation is we've mentioned this before, but we feel like the higher level resources that are available, the higher level articles, teachings, et cetera, from, you know, really accredited human beings like Harvard college professor level people are not geared for the industry that is in our audience, the literal tens of thousands of people who listen to this show. And I feel like every single year, I am surprised for some reason that there are just such a lack of resources and education for this space, but specifically for the business owners who are established, 
who want to figure out what's their next move in business and in figuring like literally researching and Googling and looking up what the next move is, everything out there is geared towards the service industry, but in a completely different lens than how y'all serve your clients. And so we've done a lot of reading and a lot of digging. And one of our favorite things to do is to read something, learn something, even if it's geared towards a different industry entirely. Yeah. And tweak it of what, how could that work for us? How could that work for y'all? And so that's what we're doing over this series. And I'm really, really excited about it. Yeah, I really think these are some of the key elements that you need to be paying attention to. And they're foundational, but not necessarily in the sense of like getting your business started. It's more in foundational and leveling up. Like you have to establish this before you kind of crest that next step, which when you're going from six figures into that multiple six figure space, it can be a challenge. There's just like a whole new set of things you're facing. Well, and and if even leveling up your revenue that much isn't something you want, but you're at consistent 10K months and you just want it to not feel so fucking hard. Totally. This is what we're talking about. So like what we've talked about with our audience before is how business is cyclical and you start your business and you have this like young, naive way of thinking and you try on all the things and you like just go forth and see what sticks. I love that about the beginning of business. Oh, yeah. And then you get established and you're bringing in consistent 10K months. You are consistently booked out. You're saying no to clients because you don't have the time and capacity. All of a sudden, you feel brand new in a different way because you know that something needs to change, but you don't know what it is. You look or you think that other businesses, it's easier for them than it is for you. Or they you have feel like something figured out that yeah, you, you feel know. like there's something missing. How many times have we said that, right? And you're not sure what it is. And I know what it is. We literally work with hundreds of service-based business owners who charge anywhere from $1,000 to $60,000 for their clients and, and even more than that. And it's the same for every single one of them. And I think I'm like officially over the overachiever, highly successful service-based business owner who still feels like she's doing it all wrong. And I want to fix that. No, because you're not doing it all wrong. You've got it pretty damn far. And let's make it feel a bit more easy, but also have some like groundedness to what you're doing at this next stage. So in part one today, we want to help you identify your result. What is it that you're ultimately accomplishing for your end client? What solution are you providing? And specifically, like, how is that setting you up so that you also can have very clear boundaries, clear scope, but also have really clear communication so that people understand what it is that you're doing. Well, because going back to that beginner naive business owner of throwing spaghetti at the wall and trying everything, we love that energy. I'm here for that energy. And that energy has to stop once you reach a certain level. And you know that and your clients know that, but we don't know how to do that. And so the conversation we're having with business owners who seem to have it all figured out and have checked all the boxes and they're still sitting there on a call with us. And they're saying, I don't, I don't know what I actually do for my clients. 
I don't know the problem that I'm solving. Or perhaps it's not that they don't know. It's that they've let their client tell them what they need solved. And then they're like coming in with this, like a superhero with a cape on their back and saying, I can do it. I can do it. I can help you with that. And I think there has to be this mind switch where like you can get really far with letting your clients define what they need for themselves and you being there to step in and provide backup and support Mm -hmm. like that can take you so far. I think to ultimately get to the next level, we talk a little bit about productizing your service. And part of that is a level of refinement and you have to hone in in some ways. And if you can get clearer on what it is that you're ultimately doing, this is just one aspect of refinement that allows you to be more clear about what you're ultimately going to do for people. Yep. But the hard part is, is it's really fine and dandy to say, okay, identify your result. I got it. How? Right. (laughs) How? And the other part I have always found really hard and frustrating in business is when they tell you, find out what you do really well and what sets you apart and what makes you unique and do more of that. I think when they say that, you're like, I'm laid back. Like, <laughs> right. Like, I make a really good dirty try. Like, <laughs> I don't know. Like, I don't, I don't like You either love me or you hate me. Is mm-hmm, that what mm-hmm, makes me unique? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> you pull out these really unique aspects about yourself as a person, but it doesn't really have anything to do with not only the result that you provide, but how you provide that result. And so I want to give you some examples and I want to talk about a different way of looking at how to identify your result. And it's not just your result, but it's literally how you do it and how you don't do it. And it's a phrase that's called service excellence. And this is what I want you to start asking yourself about, ask your team about, ask your clients about, ask yourself about, journal about it, talk to your besties about it, talk to us about it. I want you to find out what your service excellence is. And your service excellence can be defined as what a business chooses not to do well. And you need to determine which attributes to target for excellence and which ones to target for inferior performance. And this feels weird and it feels not great for someone who likes to do everything right. And this is the missing ingredient in identifying the unique way that you show up in your result. Because here's the thing. I'm just going to take a gander. I know enough of you to know that the average person listening to this show spent their entire life people pleasing, attempting to be the top of their class, doing well in school, making sure other people were happy, being the peacemaker, and trying to be all things to all people at your own detriment. And what's cool is this new self-aware version of yourself can say, I'm done with that shit because it's very hard to sell being all things to all people. Most of the time, if you're doing a good job at it, it means your clients are really happy and you hate your job. And the data shows that those are the businesses that eventually don't stick around. I know. Like literal data. (laughs) (laughs) And so I would much rather you get some clear boundaries in place about what you are willing to do and what you aren't willing to do, but use that as an asset to sell because people have their own set of values. And if you can 
find value alignment and ultimately have that result alignment as well, it is going to help you sing like when you get to these sales conversations. So I want to talk about these examples you pulled. Okay. So I have two examples for you and they are in a technical service industry, not the one that y'all are in, but again, let's learn from how others do business and see what it could shape in our own, right? Okay. So Walmart, Wally World, that big blue box store that you either love or hate has things that it does something well, but even more so than that, it has service excellence that it doesn't do well. So For Walmart's customer base, ambiance and sales help or service are the least valued things to them, but low prices and wide selection are most valued. So what do you think Walmart is intentional about doing more of and doing less of? They're definitely putting more inventory in smaller spaces. They're staffing it with less people. They're spending less money on how the store looks. It's literally a steel and concrete structure with the most like unified signage out there. You're not going to feel like you're walking into a West Elm when you walk into Walmart. It's just not. There's nothing cozy about it, welcoming about it, but you're going to have options and they're going to be cheap. Then that's what that customer base is there for. And so what happens literally automatically is that Walmart's customer base self-selects themselves in or out. And sometimes it's by the need or the day or the mood, right? In or out. You're either like, a Walmart shopper. I don't shopper want to be want. a Walmart shopper, but I go to Walmart for XYZ things because I exactly. get in and out. You know what you're going to get out of that experience, even if it's one that you don't like. You know what you can expect and not expect out of that experience, even if you expect different things from other stores. The thing is, you can go to pretty much any location nationwide and have a similar experience. Have the same shitty customer service (laughs) with the same amazing wide selection for affordable prices. Yeah. And it's generally in stock. Yes. Even in the midst of a pandemic. (laughs) Because they're consistent in the ways that they do and they don't show up. Okay. Yeah. Go to Target for different things. They're specific about what they're providing their customer experience as well. Yeah. And I think it's easy to look at this specific example and say, well, I don't like it. Like, but that's literally the point. That's the point. The point is the right customer will walk in the door because they have a value alignment. And in a lot of ways, their value alignment is the result. Like if you want something quick and you don't want to be bothered, you walk into a Walmart. Because guess what? Their customers aren't complaining about a bad customer experience they had and wasting time and dollars for the company to deal with that experience because that's not expected there when you walk in the door. You know that. Walmart isn't shy about that. They don't try to make their customer service experience better because Walmart shoppers don't value that. And that's okay. Want to learn exactly step-by-step how to get paid to generate leads in your business? I've kept these details to myself for far too long. I'm ready to spill everything and give you the exact steps that help me generate tens of thousands of qualified leads and millions in low-ticket digital product sales. I won't just show you what I did, but teach you how you can do it too. I'm talking not just how to create low-ticket digital products, but also showing you how to use them strategically to generate leads for your other existing or future offers. I'm sharing it all at bossproject.com slash jumpstart.
including exactly how I made $8,033 and generated 277 leads my very first month selling digital products. Find out more at bossproject.com jumpstart. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. With over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. I love that Indeed makes it easy to hire because I'm busy enough already. When we've hired in the past, the process was full of unqualified applicants. With Indeed, we can target the right candidates for the right position. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash strategy hour. Just go to Indeed.com slash strategy hour right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash strategy hour. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Money issues are a common stressor in any relationship. Monarch Money is the top-rated personal finance app that can get you and your partner on the same page without any extra cost. Monarch has built-in collaboration features, so together you can see your finances, budget, and get insights on your cash flow. It's the easiest way to manage any household finances. I've tried other finance apps in the past, and they didn't work the way I wanted them to. I don't want to stress over finances. Monarch is the top-rated all-in-one personal finance app. It gives you a comprehensive view of all your accounts, investments, transactions, and more. Create custom budgets, set goals, and collaborate with your partner. And now get an extended 30-day free trial when you go to monarchmoney.com strategy. Monarch has a tool that allows you to easily import your data from Mint and keep all of your tags and categories. Monarch's simple, intuitive design makes it so easy to get Get set up, customize, and use. Monarch prioritizes my privacy, and they'll never sell my data to third parties. After trying out Monarch for myself, I understand why it's the top-rated personal finance app. And right now, get an extended 30-day free trial when you go to monarchmoney.com strategy. That's M-O-N-A-R-C-H-M-O-N-E-Y dot com slash strategy for your extended 30-day free trial. Okay, so I want to go over another example, which is like, almost the direct opposite, right? So I know we've literally all asked ourselves some form of the question of like, oh my God, that place is so blank. Why would anyone buy from there? Insert expensive, cheap, dirty, small, big, literally whatever it means, right? Commerce Bank is a great example of a place that's expensive, has higher rates, higher costs to literally bank there, costs more to bank there, but they know that higher prices are a sacrifice that their customer base will make for other things like longer hours, in-person locations that are beautiful. They spend money on vaulted ceilings and windows and lighting to make it feel a certain way when you walk in there. They know that their customers have questions. And so they have people at the front and at every desk and every corner ready to talk to you. And they're happy to do that. They're happy to provide that customer service because of the things that they know their customers value, but it's going to literally cost you to do that. But you're having a different experience. 
Yeah. And you ultimately are paying for that experience. So good, bad, or indifferent, you're making a choice by shopping with them, you know? And so I think so many of these examples could be relayed in any other scenario. Like when you were talking about Walmart, I immediately thought about Aldi and it's like, they're the opposite of like, they don't have a wide selection. They literally have one white bread. They have one ketchup. And it removes the decision. I love it. I love it's my favorite. Place. I love it so much. I love it so much. And because of the way they build their boxes, it means that there is no time spent stocking shelves. They literally set the box where things go, and it allows them to have less staff. But the staff that is there is so quick, so fast, so fast. And they lay out the store in a certain way so that you can get in and out. And like, I just think it's interesting that like, when you think about these places, they're almost instantly, like you have a feeling about it, like literally the good, bad, or indifferent. You have a feeling about it, like because their values resonate with you, because the way they do business resonates with you. And I think what's interesting is when you've tried to be the all things to all people for so long, you might have quite an experience in the past with clients who loved working with you, but maybe they like will literally say, I'm not sure who to refer you to, or I'm not totally sure where to send. That's my favorite sign that they don't even know the result that you provide or the value you bring. They may love you because like you're fun, but like if there's any level of confusion about what it is that you do or what it is that you provide, them not knowing who to refer you to is a really big sign that like, there's a mismatch here. And so I want to be thinking about what do you not want to do? And I think this helps set you up for what you ultimately do provide. Well, I've really love referrals that are like, go to this person for XYZ. I mean, they're not gonna one, two, three, but you're definitely gonna get XYZ, right? I love it when the client or customer absolutely knows, even in the referral, they're setting the expectation for that person of what they should not expect from you. If it's that clear, then you're on to something. So here's what you might be thinking, and I want to nip it in the bud super fast. <laughs> you might be thinking that you're better at this than everyone. And you are so good at all of the things that you don't have to concede anything to the competition. And sometimes that's true. But the literal, again, data shows, Harvard Business Review data shows the only way that you will actually be able to do this. So which means that you can't concede on price. So you're not going to be the cheapest. You can't concede on time. So you're not going to be the fastest. You can't concede on experience, so it's not going to be like dull or uninviting or whatever. It's going to be warm, cozy. It's going to be all the things that you want it to be, right? You're not going to concede on customer service, so it's like top level, right? You're not going to concede on anything because you want to provide all of those things, not just offers, but like features of how people work with you. The only way you're able to do that is if you charge 50% over your competition, 50% over the people in your market offering the same thing. Which Sometimes you can. And it honestly depends on you have to know your client, your ideal client really well. And some for them, some industries, it's literally impossible. I know it is. And so I, I think for to, most industries, I think you want to be pretty self-aware in this. I was reading in another book recently, they were talking about how to get that competitive advantage. And one of the strategies is to 
basically take the values of your competitor and be the opposite. And Mm -hmm. I think sometimes that sounds counterintuitive. You're like, well, they value customer service and they're swift and they're whatever, but you could just pulling it out there, not saying you have to do this. You could say that it does take longer, but it means you get more access to you and your team. It means you have a more integrated solution. It means you have a more detailed approach. Maybe you are 200% more expensive, but like, what does that unlock for them that they're not getting in a value-based experience? Yeah. Another great example of this that I read was so progressive, the car insurance provider does a couple things well. And one of the examples is later on in this series. So I don't want to spoil it, but another one of their ways is very similar to what you're talking about is progressive. When you go get a quote from them, they're also going to show you quotes from their competitors and they're not the cheapest. I think the data said that they were only cheaper less than half of the time. So over half the time, when you're seeing these quotes, progressive is more expensive than the other quotes progressive showed you, but progressive has a value. And we'll talk about it in part two that they bring to the table that their customer base also values. And so they know that they're going to get them on that because they're being altruistic by showing, well, here's what other people cost. And yeah, it is cheaper to go somewhere else, but you're not going to get this. And that works for them because other companies don't do that. Yeah. I think it's so interesting applying what is likely a thousand X bigger business. I mean, I don't even know the multiples we're talking about here. I mean, some of these companies are in the hundreds of millions, some are kajillions, billions of dollars. I don't think anyone's in kajillions, <laughs> at least not yet. But what practices are they doing that you can apply to your own situation? And I think often when you're trying to figure out your value prop or the results you're ultimately trying to provide, it's easy to get stuck in your bubble of like, well, this is what Sally Mae down the street who does the same thing does. And like, you literally look literally in your zip code and you look at businesses that are nearly identical to yours. And you're like, how can I be 99% the same and show my 1% differentiation? And I would rather you guys look at completely different industries, explore what else is out there and figure out how can you apply the way they're talking about themselves to what you're doing? Or how can I look at this principle or this value and apply it to my industry where maybe it's not something that's been done before? And as shitty as this sounds, it is easier to be you know, 80 or 90% like someone else and make variations than it is to come up with something ultimately entirely unique. But the unique aspect can be the reason someone buys. Absolutely. And the reasons why other people don't buy. And that's good. That's good. So I think to ultimately set up this result, we need to focus on some of these questions. So I want to talk through what reflection do you need to be doing to land on your result and ultimately these attributes? Yeah, we have some thinking homework for you to do. And it's okay if you don't know the answer today. It's okay that you don't know the answer this year. I just want you to start thinking about these things and being aware that this is the part that actually sets you up to beat out the right competition and to be sustainable and to grow in a way that is going to feel easier than what you're feeling right now. 
Okay, so which service attributes, and you get to pick, convenience, friendliness, price, speed, service, what is it, does your specific business target for excellence? Which ones? Or one? It's okay if it's just one. And which ones, the kind of same selection, does it compromise, is it not do well, in order to achieve excellence in other areas? You need to know the one that you want to show up for and the one that you want to intentionally not prioritize and do not well. Because just as a reminder, being mediocre at a lot of things is not very helpful. No, it's not. (laughs) And the literal data shows that those are the businesses that don't thrive. When push comes to shove. Okay. So my next question for you is how do these service attributes match up with your targeted customer's priorities? We talked about how you know what you're going to get when you walk into Walmart. And so like the people are self-selecting. Some people literally will not shop there ever. And great. Like, but are you polarizing enough is perhaps what I really want you to be thinking about. And is it segmenting the potential audience that you're looking at so that there is a group of people that very specifically wants what you have and a group of people that very specifically is not interested. Well, and what you can do is start asking about, you know, the attributes that you want to bring to the table. Do they match up with the clients that you're currently serving right now? Like the answer might be right in front of you. You might not have to just come up with it. And it also might not be the one that you innately would have picked. But if it's a theme that you're seeing and the people that you've already served or the people who are hot leads within your circle, then can you identify what that is? And is there a way for you to go in and make it even more obvious? That's what I want you to look at. Okay, so two more questions for you. Do you understand your client's top priorities? And not just within how you want to show up and how you don't want to show up. That's definitely part of it. But this is also going to help you understand the actual key result that you provide. Now, I know you might feel like with the conversation that we had today, well, we didn't really talk about anything about my offer or what the deliverables or what I'm actually doing for my people, because that can literally change however often you want. I actually don't give a shit what you offer. As long as you know exactly what result you want to achieve for what clients, you can morph your company and evolve your company as it needs to in order to continue serving that result. But some of these values need to be consistent all the time. So like even if you're continuing to pivot what you offer or pivot what you sell or like the individualized result that you're getting with XYZ offer, the idea is that these things that you're valuing and conceding are foundational to your business practices. Yep. Okay. So the last question, do you understand the alternative solutions that your clients would explore or entertain to solve the problem that you want to address? I just want you to be aware of that. What is your actual competition? What are other ways that people might go about doing this? And it could either give you a new idea on how you can actually deliver that thing, serve up that solution, or it could give you a way to segment out those people. If you're looking for this, you're not going to find it here. 
And here's why. Yeah. And I think two things I want you to really be mindful of when you're looking at the alternative solutions. Keep in mind, it doesn't necessarily have to be another service-based business. Like an alternative solution could be doing nothing. An alternative solution could also be a software or a different product or like it doesn't necessarily have to be in your industry. It could be a different way to go about solving the problem altogether. Like just as an example to get you thinking about like how abstract this could be, say your kid's having trouble sleeping. There's so many ways you could approach this. You could have a storybook that you read every night. You could install a sound machine. You could hire a sleep consultant. Technically, you're all looking at children sleeping. We're literally solving it with a service or a physical product or, you know what I mean? Like there's so many different approaches. And so I want you to make sure that you're not just like looking at the like, I guarantee you know the people that are the most similar to you already. I want you to be thinking about the things that you're not even considering as alternatives because you might get an idea from that very specific outside thing. The other thing I want you to think about when you're looking at alternative solutions specifically, I want you to be thinking about what do they do right before they buy and what do they do right after they buy? Because this may give you an opportunity to either expand your result and capture some of that before or after cash, essentially, or narrow in on the piece that's the most important to them. Because you may decide, oh, well, they could get this part of the solution from all of these people and I wouldn't care. But if I can work with them in this specific way, then I'm going to have the biggest impact. And It can both expand your offer or contract your offer, but that's really powerful. And I'm excited for you to really dive into what this could look like for you and your company, what you're valuing and how it could ultimately morph how you treat people and service people into the future. And we want to hear from you, like go send us a DM over on Instagram Share with us the values and attributes that you want to prioritize, that you are compromising on. And I really want you to consider this as a invitation to join us for the next level. Mm -hmm. I would love to workshop this out with you and see how you could actually get more clarity that would provide more ease within your service-based business so that you can scale without the overwhelm and feeling more confident in the business side of doing things. And it starts with the result and the offer and the service excellence. And so if you want to figure out what that could look like for you, I highly encourage you to go to bossproject.com slash incubator, but you should definitely stick around in two days. We're going to be dropping part two of this series. And if you know someone who could listen and gain something from this episode, please don't hesitate to send it their way. Share us all your thoughts over on Instagram at boss project. Looking to elevate your brand without the headache? Join the co-op, our creative template shop membership. With thousands of easy to customize templates, all crafted to seamlessly fit your business aesthetics. We make nurturing leads and driving sales effortless. We're talking serious impact and seriously simple creation. Become a member now at creativeshopcoop.com and transform your business today. That's creativeshopcoop.com. Hey, a few quick favors before you leave. 
I'd love if you'd share today's episode, send it to a friend who needs to hear it and post on social. You can show us where you're listening from, your favorite takeaway, or why someone else should listen. Be sure to tag me at Abigail Says and at Boss Project so we can share it. Okay, second favor. To get podcast updates and all the behind-the-scenes news from Boss Project, I'd love if you'd join my VIP list. Just head to bossproject.com slash sign up to make sure I have all your contact details. Really love this show? It would mean so much to me if you'd leave a rating and review. It not only helps more listeners find the show but allows us to bring on quality sponsors so we can keep bringing you this valuable content for free. Thanks so much for listening. Until next time.